Current temperature is uh, just about 90 degrees Fahrenheit, 32 Celsius. Port-au-Prince, Haiti, October 2010. In the meantime, enjoy uh, Port-au-Prince or wherever else you're heading today. I'm waiting on a lift. I'm getting a lift. He's coming now, so I just have to phone him, okay? It's okay. My name is Danny. Thank you very much. You have somebody to get here? Yeah, yeah. Hi, Jay, how are you? I just threw the customs, so I'm just standing in the kind of uh, tent place. Okay, so I'll just start walking down the through the cage, cage. Bring it time to my brother is Give me Welcome to Port Prince, Brian. Just as we left the airport, there you saw the first of tents, and there this is a, a tented city right now. This is my first time in Haiti, but it's not for the man I'm meeting, Father Jerry O'Connor an Irish Redemptorist priest who arrived in the immediate aftermath of the earthquake last January. We landed in, in the pitch of darkness. Uh, there was an intimidating atmosphere around. You could hear voices everywhere. You could see soldiers all around the place. A major earthquake has hit the impoverished country of Haiti in the Caribbean, collapsing buildings in the capital, Port-au-Prince, and cutting phone lines. A Reuters reporter said he had seen dozens of people apparently dead or injured lying under... There were a number of things that I clearly remember. One could get a smell in the air, a smell of death. One could see that buildings were down everywhere and there were people everywhere. And there was a kind of almost menacing, uh, uh, threatening atmosphere in the air. Panic-stricken residents were desperately trying to free those trapped or searching for missing relatives. The US Geological Survey said the seven-magnitude quake was followed by a 5.9 aftershock. It prompted a regional tsunami watch. President Barack Obama said the United States was closely monitoring the situation and stood ready to... People on the floor, people bleeding, people running with kids, bleeding, go, try to go to a hospital. And there's no word. You can't move, you can't do anything. People are just warning um, or walking with people dying or people bleeding. And it was... But I don't want to leave something like that again. That was terrible. The International Red Cross has said emergency funds are being used to mobilise relief supplies. There are fears that hundreds of people have been killed and that many more are buried in the rubble of buildings. There are many stories to tell amongst the devastated communities left ravaged by the earthquake in Haiti in January 2010. One of those revolves around the parish of San Gerard, where a newly built school was reduced to a pile of rubble with almost 300 children dead. Father Jerry O'Connor arrived at the site of the school in the immediate aftermath of the earthquake. He was met by hundreds of parents desperately hoping their children would be one of the lucky few to be pulled from the debris. And we went closer to the school and they, 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 they followed us and we could very quickly pick up the scent of death knowing that there were still many, many uh, bodies, children, some teachers resting inside in the earthquake, almost certainly dead. At this stage, we were told that people had been pulled out of it alive and that many had been pulled out dead in the areas where it was easier to access the bodies and that they had been uh, buried. 
One of those waiting at the school was Adele Cass, who was anxiously looking for news of her father and stepmother, both teachers in San Gerard. I saw the building down, the college down. I tried to get in, there was no space I could go, and my brothers, they didn't want me to go. And I stayed there waiting, 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 crying and calling him, and no answer. So. In the context here of St. Gerard's, we have a communities where it is estimated that up to 23 or 24% of the local community were killed in the earthquake. So we're talking about in this parish of St. Gerard alone, we're talking about in somewhere between 20 and 25,000 people having died during the earthquake. And it was one of the priorities of the Redemptorists and indeed many other organisations that as soon as possible after the earthquake that the school, though absolutely destroyed, just utterly destroyed, that it would be reopened even if it were in a very uh, makeshift tent. We arrive at the parish of San Gerard. On the ruins of the former school, makeshift tents crammed together serve as temporary classrooms. So I'm going to say hello. Hello, everybody. Bonjour. Sava. So there they are, all around us, and it's wonderful to see them back at school uh, and to see such life and such uh, exuberance and such joy. Uh, even though right around us and, and just around the corner, you have uh, 300 families living in a, what, what is a, a squatter camp uh, post the earthquake. So we'll now move towards the classroom. If we can get through the throngs and crowds of children who are all gathered around us. These are all children attending St. Jared's School, which was uh, so devastatingly affected on the day of the earthquake with uh, 275 children and four teachers uh, dying. You can see that in a very confined space, in fact a tiny space, there are several hundred children there. So where the tents are now, Jay, which is just beyond where they're playing, and like you say, in a confined space, is where the school was, is that correct? That's, uh, that, the, the tents are, just to our right, there are uh, ten large uh, tents and also uh, a classroom made from a container, and that is where the school was built. A three-storey school resided there until the day of the earthquake, and it came down like a sandwich. Uh, when I was here in uh, January, it was just incredible to see how it fell uh, flat so you could see how any child that was there on a lower floor was just going to be killed instantly it came down in such a, a, a dramatic and 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 penalizing way and I mean that some children got out of it alive is for me beyond imagination and, and beyond description I'm just not able to imagine how they could have done but amazingly some did one of these was 13-year-old Adelise Wilno. When we were sitting in the classroom, he see uh, four uh, wall collapse. The classroom he was in, how many people, students, were in the class when, when it collapsed? 120. 120. There are so many people, students, over there. And out of them 120, how many survived? 
He was uh, there was five people. Five. Only five. Oh, only five. He has his brother in this classroom. Mm -hmm. His brother died. Yeah. He's dying? Limoui? Yes, he's dying. He was That's why he cried now. When he was in his part, he called his brother and her brothers tell him, if you could save by yourself, you can save by yourself, me, where I am, I can save. So his brothers knew they couldn't be saved, they told him to leave. Yeah. We're here now in one of the of the tented classrooms and there is about 120 to 130 students and they're facing there are two sections. There's one facing one direction and one classroom facing the other. So it's extraordinary that you can fit 130 students into this classroom. There are four to five and in some cases six sitting at a little bench which has a, a shelf underneath it. They can amazingly fit about six or even I can see seven in one bench, which is which is quite extraordinary. They're cramped in together, but they look very eager and excited about learning. I think that their teacher has a very difficult job because as we stand here, you can feel the intense uh, heat of the tent. Twelve-year-old Rene Bataille was missing for so long he was feared dead. You were at school. Here in Saint Gerard. In Saint Gerard? Yeah. Oh yeah, yes. Okay. Uh huh. Remember he was in the background also. He uh, was the fall. Yeah, he was in the background also. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, for how long? For come to the Three days. He was trapped for three days. Three days. Oh yeah. Yes. Um, he was very, very, very far. Where he was, this day, yeah. Deep underground? Yes. And could he see anything when he was there? Is it there? No. Very black. Blood. Call, uh, blood fall on him. Sorry, he got. Blood fall on him. Blood? Yeah, blood. Blood of another people? Was falling on him. Yeah, falling on him. Yeah. Yes, he screamed, I'm way, I'm way, I'm way. And. And some of the people tried to do something and to put another wall and they save him. Yeah, a little bit. There is a, another student, he can't uh, leave him asleep. There was other? Another student. Beside him? Yes, she saw him. And, and, and the, the person who was beside him, did they talk to each other? Est-ce que nous t'es parlé ensemble de temps en temps? Oui. Mais figure là bas des commentaires, mais ni bam coucou tu es là t'es enflé. Oh, they fight together. They fight? fight, yeah, together. Why? But to go out, they oh. fight together to go out, yeah. 
Because it's very difficult for them. So he, he was trapped with somebody else and they yeah, were Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. I think one other difference now, uh, as against in January, is that in January you had people gathered close to all of the destructed sites waiting for loved ones to be pulled from there or hoping that they might, uh, that they, their, their loved ones might come back to the point where uh, they had last been seen and, and you could see in people's faces a gaze of of both sorrow and a gaze of, of hoping against hope that their uh, loved one might suddenly just appear. I think the gazes on people's face has left um, a mark in my mind. Uh, it'll be something I won't forget. Just the sadness. I, I, it's very difficult to describe, but it was a mixture of sadness and sorrow and hope all in, 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 in one gaze. The earthquake happened at 7 minutes to 5 on the 12th of January. Up to that point, it was a day like any other. Adele's father and stepmother were teaching in San Gerard while she made her way home from work. I finished work at 4.30. Normal day for me. And then a friend just uh, gave me a, 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 a ride. And I feel I felt something. So what did you think it was? We thought it was something with the tires. Because he was driving. We thought it was something with the tire that the tires might leave the car and something that he was managed to stop the car. So and then we stepped out of the car and then he's like, Well, it must be an earthquake. But we did not see it as it was. You know, we, 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 we did not think that it was that big, that huge. When, 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 when we were there and we see people, a lot of people on the street, people bleeding, people are like, wow, what was that? And then, when we, and then the traffic was crazy, everything is completely upside down. Then you're like, okay, that must be something serious. A colleague called me and my colleague said, you know what? I said, I don't know. Christopher Hotel is totally down. I was like, what? What are you talking about? Christopher Hotel is the headquarter for United Nations mission in Haiti. So this hotel was down. I'm like, what? Are you serious? She said, yeah. And then my brother called me and said, uh, uh, a friend just called me and said that the, the, the Central School is down. I'm like, what? And then another person called me and told me the same thing. So I was like, what should I do? I need to go home now. If that school is down, the hotel is down, and what, gonna ha- what happened in my house now? So I'm, I'm concerned. I'm nervous. I, I just want to go home and see what happens, see if my family is safe. Adele had a long night wondering about her father and stepmother. The city was in chaos and there was no power. It wasn't until the next day she was able to make her way to the school. 
early in the morning, 5 a.m., I go there and I see this picture. So I was like, wow, I started crying, yelling, crying for my father. I was, I was waiting for somebody to say that they see him alive, that we can do all that possible to take him from there. And then they finally, my brothers and my cousin, they say that they saw him and they can take him. And he, he passed away. But my stepmom, we did not see her. We don't know anything about her. She was in the building, of course. She was there, but nobody saw her. We saw that, but we could not take him where it was. He, he was no longer alive. I don't think I'm gonna keep talking about this anymore. We're now on the little narrow road up towards the cathedral. You can see it in the, the distance. Normally you associate cathedrals with spirals and with, with, with height, uh, having great presence across the skyline of the city. It really just it looks like something, a picture out of after the Blitz in World War II, doesn't it? That's well, I suppose one of the things I've found hard to get my head around is that uh, I've been to war zones, war zones before, and I've seen the damage of, of war in in uh, Sudan and in Rwanda. But it took weeks, months, and years to inflict that damage. The destruction in Haiti was just impossible to get your head around, and left a rawness in you that 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 that, that remains. Uh, it took the lives of the poor and the wealthy, those in the mighty, powerful, symbolic buildings, and those in the little shacks in the. Uh, squatter camps and in the uh, slums around the city. Up to 300,000 people, more than the whole population of Galway, died in the earthquake, and many more have been affected in its wake. The Redemptors are trying to help put this community back together, and one of their priests in training, Breville, took us to see his family in the hills around San Gerard, so we could see how the earthquake has impacted on their lives. We're on our way to uh, an area called Cahifor Fe. We're going to the home of Breville, who, whose family lost their home during the earthquake. And we're just going to see uh, the area where his family used to live. Just past on the right, uh, a river, and in the river, the river has been transformed into a, an ugly-looking dump where the remains of houses and clothes have been thrown in. So as we continue to walk, we wade our way through rubbish, shoes, empty bottles, clothes stamped on the ground, trodden upon by the huge number of people who pass by here each day. We've just passed people taking some water from right along where the sewage is flowing. Almost everywhere we see tents, still living in the tents 10 months after the earthquake. We're climbing all the time, as is the case in Port-au-Prince, up this narrow lane with steps, and to the left and right there are more steps going up higher, and all the houses are above us. And it's, uh, like you can see a crowded area. There's an area of water where there are loads of people with their white plastic buckets drawing water from along this narrow lane. We've about three minutes to go, Breville tells us. 
Ten months after the earthquake, conditions are still so bad that cholera has broken out. Looking around, I can see why. An aggressive and strong stench coming from there. It's like Cabrera or something. Yeah, it is. Okay, so we're about now to meet Breville's mother. Bonsoir, ça va? Okay. What is your mother's name? Um, Mama Salis. Mama Salis. Hello, Mama Salis. The people of these communities were always poor. The earthquake has made their harsh existence even more difficult. Even though months have passed and international money has poured in, the priorities are still clearing rubble and providing basic food and sanitation. Haiti is a very long way off being able to rebuild homes for these people. So now we have arrived, I think, at the home of Breville. This is this is Breville's house. Hello. This is Breville, my brother. This is your brother. Nice to meet you. A pleasure. So there's quite a, a reception of people here to meet us. Yeah. Well, here we've got this little. This is the, the this is the locus now of the of the home. Uh, most of it is outside, just with a little bit of plastic. But what we what we have here is a tiny little shack. It is about seven foot by seven. On one side, you have a little bit of uh, corrugated uh, material, and but the rest of it is is just uh, a form of emergency aid plastic, which is nailed and tied onto. Uh, about five beams. There is one, one little mattress, and there is uh, a little shelf with the cooking materials, a little stove with legs on it, and a small portable uh, television. And there is a, a little window that is can open out in, and it looks out on. Uh, it looks out on this little area. Uh, which, when I say little, there are just hundreds and hundreds of houses, uh, all looking very badly damaged through the earthquake, and it's they're sloping. They're they're they're, they're it's a it's very steep, and they, the one word to describe it is that they are cramped. They are on top of each other. It's election time in Haiti, and tensions are high. Candidates are all promising to rebuild the country. I asked many people about this, but none of them would speak. Politics in Haiti has always been a dangerous game. Violence and corruption have played a significant part of their political history, and it seemed that the people here believed this occasion would be no different. So here you see a, a group of young people with a brass, small brass band. They're electioneering for Congress, one of the candidates, one of the 19 candidates standing in the presidential election. I've been here for four days now and I've got an insight into just how harsh life is for people in Haiti. I can see why the rebuilding of the school is so important to this community. Education gives people a real chance. Adele is testament to this. For me, I did my primary school in this school. saint Gerard. Yeah, saint Gerard. And then I did... I did all the secondary school in the public school, Lise. Right now, daddy died, mom died, my father got remarried after my mom passed away. 
she died also in school. Both of them died there. Like my father, he doesn't have uh, animals. He doesn't have farms. He doesn't have anything. All he did is working, working and sent us to, to school. Working and sent us to school and telling us every day that you have to go to school. That's the only thing I can give you. And most of parents in Haiti, they tell you that. I have nothing else to give you. You have to go to school and help yourself later. That's why. You know, if I didn't go to school, I would not be able to work, do something, and to help my brothers and sisters. So So you're, you're almost like their mother now as well. Exactly. I'm the one. I'm the only one. You know, with how, the kids. How many is there? Uh, we are six. The, the, the youngest one is uh, 11. And what age are you? Huh? What age yeah, are you? I'm 27. So you're 27 and you're looking after six? Yeah. Chilly. Yeah. As we walk back towards the school, Adele finds that it is too much for her to be able to walk across the place where the classrooms once stood. My brothers and sisters, all of us, we went to school there. And also my father was working there. And my stepmother was working there. And both of them died, as the only two teachers died in the, uh, in the school during the earthquake. So the sovereignties are hard to accept. So that's why I, I, I try to avoid going there. And also I have my grandma, my father's mom, and my auntie. From my father's side, we all living together. So for my grandma, it's really hard too because my father was the only son she has. Hard, so it's really hard. October 7 was my father's birthday, so it was really hard on her. Hard on all of us, but like him, her and my uh, younger brother, the, the two were the most difficult to write up with the situation. What was it like on that day, on October the 7th? Can you remember the day? October 7th, usually, like uh, last year I had a I had a better job, so I took him there. We almost have a day. We had lunch. We had fun. We talked. He drank, and and he was so happy. He was so excited because I, now I can't take him out. You know that's how he saw it. And this October, it was really hard because we did nothing, and we remember him, and it was really tough on us. All of us, all of us. So, how do you cope? Because I mean, it seems to me like you're saying sometimes your grandmother gets angry. Like say on October, she must have been angry, and your little brother is crying. And it's your father too, but it seems like you have it to be is. the one to be strong. Exactly, exactly, exactly. That's the word. I can say much about it, but that's it. So you have to just keep it all together. I'm trying to be the tough one. I'm trying to, like you can see, like my sister just called me. You do today's for food, this and that. Every day is like that. And they didn't used to call me for for everything in the house. Like I'm the, the the main person in the house that they're calling me for this, calling me for that. If I don't do this, they won't do that. You know, just I'm just taking the responsibility. And uh, the only way I see it, like I told you, is like. Daddy has done a lot for me, and he's not here anymore. I have to step up and help the others. Six. 
Much of the money to clear the rubble and feed the children at the school has already come from Ireland. And now the Redemptors are determined to push ahead with the rebuilding of St Gerard's, despite the obstacles that stand in their way. We're going up towards... Uh, I suppose we're going to visit two things. One, we're going to visit where they're thinking of putting... where, where we are thinking of building St. George's anew to reconstruct the school and it's also the resting place of up to um, a thousand uh, bodies who died during the earthquake uh, including including uh, 275 children who, who died in the tragedy at St. George's. The sensitivity is that if you start some construction work on a site where there are bodies buried you're going to arouse naturally and understandably the emotions uh, of the families who have people buried there. So I think what's been, uh, what we're trying to do is to have a site which integrates a burial place into the school so that those who died are never forgotten, that it's a place that people can go and visit and... Uh, that, 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 that what you have is a, a living memorial to those who died in the earthquake. So right now we're here uh, at a site which is a, a sloping site and on the right hand side and on the left hand side you can see that uh, there is a lot of waste, uh, not waste ground but ground without any building which is slightly um, overgrown and it was in these two uh, areas my left and to my right that in the immediate aftermath of the earthquake that the people were buried and also as the children were one by one taken from the school they were brought down uh, these steps here and they were buried to my right on this side and also some here to to the left when I arrived already some of the bodies were uh, buried uh, by that I mean that uh, it, some of the bodies were very uh, visible uh, underneath the rubble and it was possible to remove some of the, the bodies uh, and for example we had a little girl who was able to see her brother and his hand and recognise him dead in the rubble uh, so they were buried very quickly and swiftly uh, when I was here the, it was when the operation to remove the bodies from the more difficult places what was happening which took days and days I mean it took over a month to clear the rubble and to take out the, the last body and I suppose the, the, this, the earthquake was so big it was so uh, frightening it was at a scale that is almost impossible to get one's mind around and I, I think that you know, it was so big that many of us would say there's little we can do. It, it's bigger than any of us. And I think that when, when, when people can identify with one particular school or the children in one particular place, it helps them to imagine the suffering, the pain, the loss and the anguish and also can help you believe that actually I or my circle of friends or those that I can influence, we can actually... Uh, do something for that school and, and that group of children and that community. It's difficult to find space for the new school in this crowded city. Another potential site where a hotel once stood is now occupied by 300 squatter families in tents. 
When Adele takes me here, we are greeted with suspicion. Tomorrow is another day. A day we lie two miles away. Tomorrow can bring you sorrow. We have a friend who is in Ireland with Mounlegui Saint Gerardo. Il t'a aimé connaître idée sur tel castel Haïti. C'est pas obligation mais si nous voulons pas pour toi. So we just walk off. Right, seems like they don't want to talk. <laughs> OK. Qui bon, bon. bon, juste continuer, juste continuer à aller. The atmosphere begins to feel threatening. We leave as quickly as we can. All this is the, the, the hotel. This is where the hotel was? Yeah, yeah. That's why when you're coming this way, you're coming down there, you can see the, 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 the big building. With the uh, nine floors. It used to oh, be nine really. floors. Mm. Yeah, it used to be nine floors. Yeah. That was one of the biggest hotels in Haiti. Five star people used to come and have fun. Yeah, yeah. If you go to um, the, the history books, the, the, the books, you can see it in, in, in there. The people that are living here now, did they come after the hotel fell? Or? Okay. Most of them were living in this area and their house collapsed. They are staying here right now and they also have other people coming from other places. Is there, uh, a, they, they, they never dug up this area, did they? I mean, could there still be bodies under here? Or, you know, in Saint Gerard they excavated and they did, did, oh, was this okay. ever cleared? Okay. The Kuna Saint Gerard, you have people who are dead, but there are no people who are dead at the tentative. Yeah, no. nobody make any tentative to do anything here. So this is as it was, right yeah, after. Yeah, at least right after the earthquake and up to now. Probably there's people under the the the, the but I don't know. I can't confirm, but they say there should be people there and still there. In the midst of this city of tents, in the hills around St. Gerard, a kind of black hole seems to have appeared in the ground. What is this? C'est un trou, un trou qu'on a retrouvé ici. This is this place. See, huh? so as I know, so that it's a really big space under Earth. After those, after after twelve January, yeah, after twelve. This emerged. Yes. Un matin, un beau matin, il s'est réveillé et il a vu ça. Mais avant, il n'y avait pas ça. So one, one, uh, one morning, he came here and he saw that and he never saw that before. We're up here at the, uh, high up on the hills over Port-au-Prince in this slum community that called Cahi Forfait that, that we are visiting. And the local community have just shown us this enormous hole at ground level, just at the, the bottom of a steep hill. 
and we're just quite taken back by it because it's it's like a huge underground cave and listening to the local community they're saying that just soon after the earthquake they spotted uh, this enormous hole in the ground and uh, I certainly have no geographical uh, or technical understanding of of how it has happened or what it is but it looks uh, very perplexing and it's not a place that you'd like children to go down it looks very dark the local community have gathered around us here now in enormous uh, numbers and I think like ourselves they're a bit dumbfounded as to how this whole emerged More than a million Haitians remain homeless. Even the rubble has not been fully cleared. The rebuilding process has been painfully slow. Hampered by political instability and violence, a worsened cholera outbreak and a country overwhelmed by the disaster that has befallen it. But for the people of St Gerard, there is hope that they will get their school back. My father died there while he was working. So I would love that they have a school back again in concrete building, everything, no more tents. I would love that. And this community needs the school. It really needs it. It helps. Not only me, my brothers and sisters, we all. My auntie also, she's a young one. She went to school here too. All of us. So we would love that we have the school in the community again. You have to study, you have, you have to. That's all you have, you know, that's all we have. We have to study. If you enjoyed this documentary, you might like to listen to our other Documentary on One productions. Visit rte.ie forward slash doc on one.